Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Uh, John chapter 9, right at the end, it says, some of the Pharisees were saying, are we blind also? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. And it goes right into chapter 10. So let's pick it up there. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, I'm going to unpack something for you that you may not have ever heard quite like this before. But I want you to notice, he starts off at the beginning saying, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold. We're talking about uh, a door to get into the sheepfold. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, a little later, Jesus is talking about a good shepherd. He said, I'm the good shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep. So he says, the one who enters the sheepfold by the door is the shepherd, but the one who does not enter the sheepfold by the door is a thief and a robber. And then a little later, he goes on to say, uh, down here in verse 4, and when he, talking about the shepherd, brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Now, now we're talking about the sheep going out of the sheepfold. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. Okay, so we're talking about uh, in getting into the sheepfold, and we're talking about going out of the sheepfold. Okay, so uh, if we could think like this, he's talking about a door, but he's talking about a door in and a door out. Okay, so now what is the sheepfold? Well. He goes on to talk about how some sheep are his sheep, but other sheep are not of his sheep, and they don't hear his voice. What does that mean? Well, the sheepfold is the world. This is where the human beings are. They are the sheep. So think about that. Now, the world, uh, we could say the earth, uh, but think about the sheep being on the earth. Some of these sheep belong to the Lord, and they're going to hear his voice. They're going to hear the gospel, if we could say it like that, and respond and follow him and get saved. And he's going to lead them out of this world, really, to heaven. And it goes on to say, he goes before them. Who was the first person, after being raised from the dead, uh, got his glorified body, and first was able to go to heaven. He has to sprinkle the blood on the altar and such, as the Hebrews tells us. But who's the first? He's the first. In fact, nobody could go to heaven until that time. They had to go to Abraham's bosom. Do you remember the 16th chapter of uh, Luke, where the rich man and a man named Lazarus died, and Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, but the rich man went to Hades and was in flames. But those people, Abraham was there, and all the people who had died but had their faith in God for salvation, they were taken across this gulf from the torment place 
into a place of comfort until Jesus could be raised from the dead and be the firstborn from the dead, the firstborn among many brethren going before them. And then once he was able to go and be raised from the dead, then they could go to heaven and from then on to be absent from the body for believers to be present with the Lord. You see the point? He has to he had to go first. He had to be he had to die and pay for the sins and be raised from the dead first. So that's how then the sheep could get out of this world and go off the earth, out of the earth, because I think it's clear that hell is in the heart of the earth. Many, many scriptures point to that. Uh, then they could go to heaven, but he had to go first. The firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn from the dead, okay? But let's go back to the beginning now, and let's talk about the door into the sheepfold. There's a door in, then there's a door out to get to heaven, okay? Out of the sheepfold to get to heaven. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Well, let me ask you a question. How did you get here? That's right. You were born here. Let me ask you this question. How did Jesus get into the earth as a human being? You got it. He was born here. Let me ask you another question. How did Satan get here? He was not born here. He's a thief and he's a robber. All the demons of hell, every uh, demonic spirit, evil spirit, they were not born here as a human in a human body. See, they didn't come through the door. The way the door to come here is to be born here. Jesus was born here. He came through the door, but the devil did not come through the door. They climb up some other way, like demon possession, we would call it, or demonized. You know how the demons went from the man with the legion of demons into the pigs, and they're possessing. They weren't born as a human. They weren't born as a pig, but they'll possess those bodies and use those bodies to whatever extent that they can. Jesus said, anybody that comes another way except for the door is a thief and a robber, but the shepherd came through the door. He's the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. That seems to be God. He's the doorkeeper. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Who, who is that? That's the church. Those are the elect. Those that would receive the gospel. He leads them out. Out of what? Out of the sheepfold and into heaven, ultimately. This is a simple language, but it's a, it's a little parable. But I think it's powerful, okay? And verse 4, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We could say they know his word. They know the gospel. They follow him. That's us. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is why we need to be in God's word, so that we know his voice. We know that this is the word of God, the voice of God. And when you get to know the word of God, then you know his voice. And then you know when Satan's trying to deceive you, you can pick it off because you know the voice of God. If you and I talk on the phone every day for a couple of months, and then somebody else tries to call and impersonate me, well, they may sound similar, but you'll be able to pick, pick it off because you've heard me talk so much over the phone that you know what my voice sounds like. Everybody has a unique voice. In the same way, when we get to know God's Word by just spending time like we're doing now in the Word of God, then we'll be able to pick off when the enemy's trying to act, pretend like God, impersonate God. 
and deceive us. We'll pick him off. And Jesus said, they won't follow a stranger because they don't know the voice of strangers. Verse 6, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I did say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, and he said, all whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door if anyone enters by me. Now notice, what are we entering now? See, you enter to get into the sheepfold, but then you exit the sheepfold, but you have to enter to get into heaven. Jesus is that door by which we exit the sheepfold and enter into the kingdom of God or the family of God. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I don't know of a verse in the entire Bible that clearly contrasts the difference between Satan and his intentions and Jesus and his intentions. The thief does not come. Notice it. Jesus didn't say the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. In other words, he's never in neutral. He's never coming just to have a cup of tea. He is coming even in his uh, being subtle, being even in his seemingly uh, peaceful approach. And of course, we don't see him with our physical eyes. But even if he's around, we've allowed those spirits to be around. They are never around just to hang out and watch. Mm -mm. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. This is the nature of the devil. He is out to destroy us. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Do you see the contrast? This is why we don't want to walk in sin. This is why we don't want to follow the devil, lying, deceiving, the perversity of this world, because he wants to lure us by our flesh to do what we want to do, what our flesh wants to do, not our spirits, but our minds and our flesh. He lure us, but for the intention of destroying us. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That would include resisting the sin, the temptation, his will, his lies. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And that's what we need to do. So Jesus is letting them know, look, you have voices. You have the enemy trying to speak to you and lure you. But the shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is also speaking to us, and we need to hear his voice. Okay, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Notice, catching is bad and scattering is bad. Why? Because you're vulnerable to other predators. Verse 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling. In other words, the shepherd, he's there for money. He's not there because he loves and wants to protect the sheep. He's, he's just getting paid. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd, Jesus said, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Don't you love that? He's no hireling. He's going to give his life. He's going to die on the cross for us. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Now, what does that mean, other sheep uh, I have which are not of this fold? Well, I I believe one uh, cultish, cultish religion takes that to mean, oh, this is the Americas that he's going to come to and appear to and uh, come with a new book and a new gospel. No, this is saying that he's coming now to the Jews. In fact, he told his disciples, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. However, Jesus also wanted to save the Gentiles. And so there are other sheep that are not of this fold of the Jews. And I'm going to bring them all together, Jew and Gentile. In other words, Jew and non-Jew alike. All who would hear my voice, hear the gospel, and receive salvation. And I'm going to make them one big flock. And I'm going to be the one shepherd over them. Verse 17, therefore my father loves me. I love this. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. The Father already loves Jesus. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. But to watch Jesus give his life because of his love for the sheep, his love for the church, his love for us, the Father just loves that he would do that, that he would give himself like that for his bride-to-be. It's precious. And the Father sees that as something special. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life. Watch this that I may take it again. Now, here's some insight. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Isn't that interesting? Now, how could you have power to take it again? We can understand him having power to lay it down, you know, to willingly give his life. But once he's dead, and once his spirit has, you know, been separated from his physical body, which was put in the tomb, as we know, How does he have the power to take his life up again? I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. The father told him to do this. Well, how could he do it? Well, let me tell you this, that first of all, it was promised of God. It was uh, hidden as a mystery in the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus said, as Jonah was three three days and three nights in the belly of uh, the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Okay, so these things were predicted of old that, that Jesus would be dead for, and for those three days and be raised from the dead. So he saw, Jesus said, uh, these scriptures of Moses, they speak of me. He knew that they were talking about him. And what did he keep telling his disciples on the way to Jerusalem? He would say, we're going to go to Jerusalem I'm going to be crucified by the religious leaders. He said, but on the third day, I'll rise again. So Jesus, with his own authority as a human being in covenant with God, based on the promises of the scripture about uh, him being raised from the dead on the third day, though it's not as clear as the way he would say it, but it's there. Once, Once it's pointed out, you can see it. 
then uh, he uses his faith. He uses his authority to speak these words. On the third day, I will rise again. So before he laid his life down, he's releasing his faith. He's declaring his words. He's receiving the promise of God to be raised from the dead. So he said, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. He didn't say, I will have the power to take it again after I'm dead. He said, I have it now. And he's using his words right now to enact, as it were, uh, I'm laying my life down, but then he's signing, as it were, a rain check to say, and after my life is rain uh, is laid down, I'm declaring today that my life will be raised from the dead. I'm receiving that promise. And of course, Father God is going to honor his words and bring it to pass. So Jesus is initiating his own resurrection. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I received from my father, the father told him to do it. You know, Jesus also prayed, you have made known to me the ways of life. And the father taught him about this. Okay, verse 19. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, the Messiah, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe me because you are not of my sheep. As I said of you, can you imagine, as I said to you, can you imagine these Jewish people who are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? They're in covenant with God. And Jesus is saying, you're not of my sheep. You're not of my sheep. Oh, folks, may we be of his sheep. May we hear when God speaks and not be deceived by the stranger's voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Oh, that's so clear. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We can't just say we're Christians and do something here and there. We need to be hearing him. We need to be following him actively. And that's how you know that you're his sheep. And he says, and I know them. See, that's a contrast to him saying, like in Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but he who does the will of my Father. For many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many signs and wonders in your name? And he said, and I will say to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I never knew you. But Jesus said, but my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So he will know us if we'll hear his voice and we'll follow him. We'll be obedient to him. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So the Father's hand and Jesus' hand have us, but we need to continue to listen to him and hear his voice and follow him. He goes on to say, I and my Father are one. Wow. 
I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? I've done so many good works from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, watch this, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? So that's the plainest Jesus has ever said it, really. If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father in, is in me and I am in him. Now, I'm going to come back to something, but let me just finish here. Therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John, John the Baptist, was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, and many believed in him there. But I want to go back now to him talking about, talking to these uh, religious uh, rulers, and he said, uh, is it not written in your law, you are gods? And of course, Jesus is not trying to make the case that all of us as human beings are gods, okay? But it, watch this. And if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and, and what is he saying to them? He's saying, look, uh, when you receive the word of God, something changes about you and you come, become connected to God. And it's, it's, it's as if, like us, you're born again. We're, we're heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. We're in a different class than just every human being. But watch this. He said, and if he called them God, to whom the word of God came, and this is what I wanted to get to, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent, you are blaspheming? I just want to hit that phrase before we close. And the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus, now of course, at that point, the only scripture they had was what we call the Old Testament. But Jesus took, let's just say this is the Old Testament here. Jesus took, took this in one phrase and said, and the scripture cannot be broken. He didn't say the book of Genesis or the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible, or he didn't say the prophets or the Psalms or the history books like uh, Nehemiah and Ruth and such. No, he said, and the scripture, singular, cannot be broken. In other words, Every one of those things that had been written in the Old Testament, he said, it's all one combined word of God, and it cannot be broken. See, so God doesn't only see it as a promise here and a prophecy there and a, a commandment there and a law there. Uh-uh. It is the scripture. It is the word of God, and it cannot be broken. Talk about the validity. Talk about the dependability, the reliability, the strength. It's like what Jesus said, 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. He said in the scripture, cannot be broken. It is so solid. Not one, uh, if we could say it like this, not one I will not be dotted in terms of fulfillment. Not one T will not be crossed. The scripture cannot be broken. See, this is telling us here, don't you believe anybody's opinion? This Bible is the word of the living God. Base your eternity on something that cannot be broken rather than the philosophies of sinful men, regardless of how educated, eloquent, convincing they are. The Bible says the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. The wisdom, like as, as wise as anybody could get in this world to where we'd think, wow, that person knows more than anybody I, I've ever known. The Bible says their wisdom is foolishness to God compared to what he knows. And he's given us a book called the Bible so that we would have absolute truth. And therefore, anybody's opinion, they can make it sound good. But we just have to say, hey, well, let's just see how it jives with the word. Because if it's not what the word said, then we don't believe you because you cannot be smarter than God and the scripture cannot be broken. So folks, let's stay on the word. And I don't care what anybody says. Whatever God says is true. What does the word say? That's what I believe because that's the truth. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.